Welcome to another episode of Broken Boxes Podcast. In this episode, we get into conversation with artist Chnupahanska Luger. This is the second time I've interviewed him for this project. He was featured in episode number two of Broken Boxes Podcast when the format was quite different and I was still sorting out how to lay out the conversation. I thought it would be important to come back around and talk with him again to find out where he is now in his process and what he's up to with his work. Chinupa is my husband and so we have a lot of conversation regarding art and the world and as it affects artists and vice versa. So this is kind of a little peek into our daily conversations regarding art and how it affects us as a family. Thank you so much for listening and continuing to support this project. I really appreciate you all out there. And if you have any stories that you think I should tap into or share, please contact me at brokenboxespodcast at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Nupahanska Luger, and I'm a ceramic artist living in New Mexico. And what was a turning point for you as far as figuring out that the medium of ceramic was what you wanted to work with primarily? I think that I, I, I don't know if I'm certain you know if that's if that's the case ceramic tends to be clay is just so plastic it's so pliable that I really like it as a material um, but I do a lot of mixed media material um, use a lot of steel use fabric found objects I'm 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 willing to use anything really but uh, clay is there's so much history in it, in clay, and 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 working in clay, uh, indigenous to all parts of the world, and it's a way to relate to humanity, for me, and so, I guess I I focus I focus on working in clay because of because of that because it's a real human experience. What do you feel your duty or role is as an artist? as pertaining to um, being a part of society, I guess, or existing? I think, once again, it just comes back to humanity. I, I'm, I, I feel like the role of the artist is a, like a filter or a, or a, or a, a bottleneck of society. Um, and I'm but, I'm but one lens in that, in that society, you know? And so I feel like the responsibility of the artist is to be aware in general, like as broad as possible, really, and, and try to, I don't know, tell, tell our stories, tell the story of, of, of life, of people, of, of this human experience, you know, um, and this, this living experience. I, I feel like that's the artist's responsibility is to be to be that to be the um, the record keeper of what is happening now where we're at in the world um, and and to also be like really humble in that in the fact that what's happening to me you know um how the how what happens in the world of affects one individual and how one individual can cause change um i think it's our responsibility if anybody's paying attention to you 
it's your responsibility to say something worthwhile, you know, if anybody's paying attention. Well, it's funny that you say um, that because I happen to know that you don't interact a lot in a social context or with the world or with the art world other than what you have to in order to facilitate making a living as an artist. So with that being said, how do you be the filter? How how does Chinupa, um, how do you use yourself in that way? Well, I think, I mean, I'm unique. <laughs> <laughs> I am, I am but one person, but in all honesty, I, I really think that I'm kind of hermity, you know what I'm saying? Like I'm, I'm much more, I'm much more comfortable being on my little, my little hill, you know? Um, but it's amazing how much finds its way up here into my little hill, you know? It's, it's insane the things that I hear about, you know, or, or catch glimpses of even though I don't participate as much as um, I guess one would would expect somebody who feels as though they are a, a filter or a lens for civilization you know I feel like because of my reluctance to participate um, kind of distills down that which really matters if that makes any sense if it can find its way up here it must be important. You know what I'm saying? It must be it must be so loud that even though I'm not listening, I can hear it. <laughs> <laughs> What are some important things that you like to talk about in your work generally um, or that are inspiring to you kind of right now? You know, I like to talk about stories that are really old in all, in all honesty and just to kind of like update them to a 21st century kind of perspective. Um, I deal a lot with uh, kind of like the things that we're afraid of, like death, you know what I'm saying? That that death is something that we've created a, a fear of in our lives. I don't know what it is that I'm, that I, I don't, I have, I have no idea what I'm doing, you know, ultimately. I have no idea what I'm doing. If I knew what I was doing, I probably wouldn't do it, in all honesty, you know. Um, I try to just start from like nothing and and allow creativity to kick in from there to manifest an idea and you know a lot of it is like um social media types of 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 things you know that that come up and see I'm so ignorant to it like saying things like social media things is about as in-depth as I can get um but you know there 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 are issues that that the world is is wrapped up in and um particularly i mean i i'm a native artist you know um for for better or for worse you know uh i'm i was born this way i can't help it i can't change it you know and for as Anglo and colonized and all of these other aspects of living in the 21st century as a native person that's there's still this ness about me you know this this indigenous <laughs> I don't know um, that that finds its way into my work you know and I like to I like to play with that I like to play with that um, these ideas that are projected onto onto you know an entire society of of native people you know i don't even like the term native american and i use it all the time like if people ask me you know or if i have to if i'm like talking about myself i use i use the term native Amer i'm a native american i'm a native american artist 
and I don't even know what the hell that means, you know? Um, or moreover, I think I do know what it means and it's false, you know? This idea of of this in, in all-encompassing native culture, you know? There isn't one. There just isn't one. But but I but I ask myself what what do I draw upon you know, um, in my in my practice in my work, I don't I don't like to make uh, culturally specific work you know I don't like to do I'm not going to make um, you know Mandan ceremonial objects I'm not going to make these things, and and it doesn't even need to be ceremonial but the, like any any aspect of my culture I don't want to turn it into a commodity and so what I have to work with is freaking Native American you know and so I play with it I play with it as much as I can um there you know there's like a checklist of what is and what is not Native American and I like to just ride the edge of that you know just like right at the very freaking edge of what that is so that um, so that it's more receptive to people, to humans, versus uh, culturally specific and or a collector of culturally specific work. You know, I like the I like the term indigenous. You know, I like that idea, and specifically, I like that idea because we're all indigenous to some place here on Earth. You know, we've all come from here, and. Possibly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yet to meet a non-indigenous person, is what I'm saying. I mean, I, I possibly I have. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, there could be some, some space brothers out there. <laughs> but even that, like, um, you know, some of, our, some of our stories talk about us coming from stars. Some of our stories talk about us coming from deep within the earth, you know? So... And those those aren't the stories that I really want to focus on, you know? The stories that I want to focus on are the stories that are happening kind of right now. And I, I play with those stories to turn them into fiction. Um, and, and, then, and then to turn that fiction into reality by manifesting an object, a physical object. We're playing those mind So how do you feel about Native American art as an industry? There's something really interesting happening, I think, right now in um, this idea of, like, Native American art. I mean, once again, this is, this is the umbrella, you know? And moreover, it's an umbrella that wasn't created by us, by Native people. It was created um, by the... It, it's, it, it's an externalized concept you know um i think for the most part native people's artwork all the different nations had uh you know beautiful aesthetics beautiful aesthetics but form followed function and the the business that i'm in of art making is the function's been removed, um, which is really, it's actually one of the reasons why I got into clay is because I was like, oh, I need a skill set. If I just keep painting, I don't know what I, I don't know. <laughs> it's crazy, but I was like, what good am I after the fall? You know, come Mad Max times, what good am I? I'm the guy who can paint a really sweet painting for your wall of your truck that you're driving in the wasteland. Um, I just, it's, so I got into clay and, and I was like, okay, at least now I have a skill set. If, if, <laughs> if the world falls apart, I can make people bowls 
and cups, you know. I can make water vessels. I can make all sorts of things out of clay. And, um, but in that process, it, it, I mean, it really, to get back to the, to the question, it's, it's interesting to me because this industry of native art is it's kind of falling apart right now in this really beautiful way, in this really fascinating way. Um, this industry was market-driven um, by, co- by collectors, by those who were interested in, um, you know, for better or for worse, sustaining Native people through art-making, um, which is kind of like a double-edged sword because really they it sets up the idea that we can't do anything else, that the, the only thing we can do is make stuff, you know, make mm-hmm. art. We can, we're crafty individuals as a whole, which is like a backhanded compliment, you know? It's like, wow, what you do is really great, but you can't be a doctor, you can't be a lawyer, you're not a thinking type, you're artistic, you're crafty, you know? And so this whole industry that I'm in was created for Native people to have an, a, a, a money-making plan in a society that tried its damnedest to get rid of you, which is strange, you know? Um, <laughs> but <laughs> we are hard people to get rid of. I'll tell you what, we know this place. We know it like the back of our hands, you know? And so... So out of that, uh, developed an entire industry that um, literally clothed me and fed me and put a roof over my head. You know, my mother was a native artist uh, practicing. She she is. She is a native artist practicing. Um, And and I, I, I could see it, you know. I was, I was growing up in it. I was that little, you know, little dirty need kid running around at Indian market, you know, with friggin' I don't know, slurpy, slurpy, icy mustache, you know, R- red mustache and stickiness. Um, and then grew up and, and then helped, uh, helped her run the booth and, and, um, set up everything, move sculptures and sand stuff, you know, sand sculptures. Um, I was doing all of this stuff growing up and, I also witnessed it's like total marginalization. Um, it's practice of, of spectacle, you know, really. And so I don't participate. In Can you think of a moment that really kind of hit home for you? Maybe something that happened to your mother or something you saw that made you realize you did not want to participate? No, I, I, there's no one thing. I can't distill it down to a single moment in all honesty, but um, I think a lot of it has to do with just my own, um, my own, whatever, neuroses, my own like psychological issues, um, be, being like social anxiety and, and, and whatnot. I just, having to do it growing up, um, it was like the thing I could rebel against, you know, in, in many ways. But at the same time, I was also, I, I bear witness to it, you know, um, um, how fickle the industry is and, and how, um, I mean, I'm, I'm hyper aware of that right now. That's one of the things that um, drives me to be better, you know, and to create. And, and I'm really methodical about it. I, I think about the economics of, of this industry, you know, because I'm, I, I don't want to, I don't want to leave it up to faith to, to, to get by. I'm savvy, you know, I, I can see it. It's so transparent to me, you know, that, that there, that this is a business and that this is an industry and that there is a market and that there is great economics at play. And so I try to apply all of these things to be successful, you know, in, in this practice as well as be creative. You know, um, most people focus on, on that aspect, like, wow, how do you come up with these ideas? That's really creative of you, you know? And I'm just like, dude, that's, that's, 
a quarter of it. Like there's so much more that goes into being successful, you know, than just creativity. Um, I, I could, I could literally be sitting in a, a small apartment being creative as hell, you know, and drawing for nobody, you know, like that's, that's fine. But to be successful, you got to think about it from all these other angles, you know, um, there's great psychologies at play, you know, there's, there's all sorts of things. Um, but to get back to this idea of what, what we're talking about in the industry of native art, I, I recognize the fact that the, the collectors and proprietors of this industry are literally dying, literally passing away, and their children want nothing to do with their collections. I've seen many collections go up to auction or get um, like donated to museums and then cataloged and stuffed into crates and buried in basements, you know? And you see it time and time again. There will be a time that I'm sure everything that I've ever made is going to have that same fate as well because we are no longer a, a... Just the idea of collector is fading. We have focused on consumption, you know? Um, that's, that's what we do. We are consumers. And so where, where do you find... Where do you find a, a, a lifestyle, you know, a, a life path of, of art making when basically we've been trained as a society to just consume? I don't know. It seems like a taboo to talk about these types of things. And I'm not, not only talking about the native art industry, but the art industry in general, like... Nobody wants to point out the white elephant in the room, which is this shift in like human mentality towards art. And how does, does it make you feel uncomfortable like talking about this, knowing that people are going to be listening to it that could possibly be collectors of yours? Yeah, I'm terrified of that idea in all honesty, but that, that's like the reason why it needs to be said, you know, um, if we if we just sit back on our hands and pretend like everything's okay, you know, what is that, uh, keep calm and whatever, <laughs> blank, blank, <laughs> party on. If you keep that mentality, how do you expect anything to get fresh? You know, how do you expect anything? How do you, how are you ready for change? Um, I say this sort of thing, and I and and I and I'll be vocal about it because this is this is my field. This is where I play. You know what I'm saying? This is this is this is the industry in which I'm in. I am a maker guy. You know, I like making, and and I don't want to do it as a as design. You know what I'm saying? I want to do it as this human interaction. I want to touch everything that I, that I sell. Everything. Um, I don't want to mass produce these items. You know what I'm saying? And I think that it'll come to a point. There, I mean, there's got to be, you know, the old air quote tipping point, you know, of what... Um, you just can't live that way, you know? And, and we've been teaching ourselves this since the 50s. But we've gotten really good at it, I would say, since the late 90s. You Teaching know? ourselves what exactly? Consumer. Consumerism. Um, it's, a, it's a whole planned, planned or perceived obsolescence, you know, to keep industry rolling. And, and that worked great when we were building uh, toaster ovens and, and automobiles for America here when we were doing it like that, when we were creating jobs for people to manufacture goods for people to use and get rid of so that the jobs would remain. But we've given away all those jobs. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and we've given away all the things that, that give humans a sense of pride, a sense of, of accomplishment to, to just the consuming portion, to just the, the, the uh the commodity of a thing versus um 
versus the actual practice of making. So yeah, it, it was great then. The problem is it's found its way into almost every single aspect of our lives. This idea of, of, of consuming, of consumer identity versus collector, you know? Collector has, collector has uh, agency. Collector, collector has, a, has purpose, you know? Consumer just wants to fill a hole, a bottomless hole. And, and that's the difference. So do you think you're kind of um, calling out this aspect of art industry in order to change it? And if so, how can it be changed in order for you, the maker, to continue to create and make money to sustain your family? I have no idea. I, I feel like I'm too close to it right now. And I feel like... I feel like I got to be prepared for any of those situations. Um, I have to be, I have to be willing to, to bend a little and to give, you know, um, it is the, it is the wet branch that doesn't break, you know, (laughs) (laughs) there are no gloves in the glove box. (laughs) There are no gloves. You know what they say? There are no gloves in the glove box. (laughs) And they will not call it a mat box or junk box or random battery and tissue paper box in your automobile. Um, But, I mean, that's actually as silly as that is. Stepping into a conversation we were having earlier today. (laughs) There are no gloves in the glove box is a perfect example of... of, um, adaptation of what we need to be you know what i'm saying like i wear i i i wear the box of glove box and that my glove box is artist you know what i'm saying in a world where art is design you know um everyone's everyone's a designer you know what i'm saying everyone's designed something and and the the exponential growth of computer technology and drafting and all of the all of the things that computers and people can do together are you know kind of a real threat to your mud dog you know what i'm saying your guy sitting in in his little studio um actually using his hands and and with material you know materials that he sourced paints whatever it is you know what i'm saying those people those artists out there who are, um, who were still glove boxes when there are no gloves in the glove box anymore? You know, like it's 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 interesting, but I don't I don't know what to call us. You know what I'm saying? Um, artist is is what we're called. You know, we're artist guys. You know, and then there's a whole freaking persona that goes along with it that is also a commodity. You know, that I'm recognizing that like at the gallery in the in the at the shows um in press society demands more of your image than your imagery which is insane it's absolutely insane because i share more in the art that i make that i'm comfortable with and yet they want more you know and they want to focus on on a face and and a, a backstory, you know, they wanna they wanna they wanna have, um, you know, it's like another checklist, like uh, this whole like romantic idea of of artist, you know, and I'm like, what's th- there's there's no romance here, you know what I'm saying? It's hard freaking work, it's hard work. Like you could romanticize. Uh, janitors you can romanticize uh, uh i don't know <laughs> I'm, what, trying, what, what? I'm trying to look around <laughs> you know desk job cubicle cubicle experience the office television show you know what i'm saying like this is all this is all people trying to romanticize a, a lifestyle but it's just life it's just life and and you know, there are plenty of people who will participate and, and that will actually, like, drown in that idea of artist. But um, 
Do you think that that is one of the dangers of the career path is kind of falling into being the face versus like honing craft? I don't know if it's a danger. I mean, in all honesty, I think it's an asset in all honesty, you know, um, the, the face is, is gets way more press than the image. You know what I'm saying? Um, it's a, it's an absolute freaking asset if you're willing to participate, you know, but there is, um, there, the problem with it is, is that when they no longer like you, they no longer like you, you know, whereas if you don't like my art, so be it, you know, but if you don't like me, oh man, or moreover, if you don't like me, so you don't like my art, you know, like, God, don't, don't, I've already tangled this web, like, please do not add any threads to this mess, it is far too heavy as is, you know, um, and that's, that's my, that's my concern, you know, and so much of our lives are in public now, you know, that I don't, I don't want to give up to, you know, anymore. I don't want to give up anymore. There's also this um, subtext of indigenous art and also art in general and any any kind of thing when you're selling your wares of like feeling desperate versus not needing the industry and can you talk about your ideas surrounding that? Huh. You're asking some heavy questions here. <laughs> Desperation is absolutely undesirable. That's that's the base of it. You know what I'm saying? And it's not, it's not focused specifically on art or artists or art making. Um, this is, this is just like a human experience, you know? Um, think back to like, think back to, 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 uh, uh, a lover who was desperate, you know what I'm saying? Super needy, jealous of everything that you, that you go out and do who is desperate. It's absolutely undesirable. It, it trickles out in every aspect of human experience. Um, desperation is never, uh, uh, it's, it's a fine place to keep, to inspire you. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm, I'm often, I'm often in a desperate position. You know what I'm saying? But I never project it. Desperation isn't desirable to anybody in or any 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 uh, uh, faction of life, really. In 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 general, um, it's a weakness. You know, desperation is a weakness, and weakness is the first to die. In many ways, you know, um, just in nature. Um, yeah, there's just nobody nobody wants to deal with desperate. And like the, the unfortunate thing is desperate is real. You know, the unfortunate thing is that a lot, I mean, in the art business, that's, that's, that's the milk we put in our breakfast cereal. You know what I'm saying? Is desperate. And, and, uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't know how to, how to, I don't know how to make it better for anybody other than just like freaking. George Burns confidence, you know what I'm saying? Just like you got to be you got to be confident in yourself because you're the first one. You're the first one to judge you. You you know, every day you're the first one to make any sort of judgment call on on who you are and what you do. And and you're also your 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 harshest critic, you know? So there's not there's it, trying to externalize your salvation is probably not a good idea. You know, it's not like if only I can get into this, then this will happen. You know, it's really like I'm awesome right now as is and it'll only get better. You know, from here, it from here, it only gets better, not 
I am so pitiful, you know. So what would you say measures success? I don't know what measures success. I feel, I feel as though I'm making it all up, this idea. You know what I'm saying? I feel like the term success is a, a, uh, it's a relative question, you know? So, like, for me, the fact that I, I can eat every day and that I can be with my children and the fact that I can take everything I've learned and keep all the good and dump the trash, you know, that's success, you know? I, I measure myself not, uh, like, monetarily, but I, I always find myself, like, focusing on real simple life goals. Um, I want to live. I want to live more than anything else. And as long as I'm doing that, as long as I'm alive, I'm freaking killing it. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Um, as long as as long as the world that I'm in isn't wearing me down to nothing and and I die from it, um, I'm successful. And and you know, success is one of those things that the more of it you have, the more you want, you know? Back to that consumer thing. Yeah, 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 exactly. And this is something I've learned, you know? Um, which is also interesting because that's, a, that's like an, an indigenous story we never hear about, you know, is, is this idea of what it's like now, you know, growing up in, in a society, going to, going to schools, public schools, you know, and I mean, I went to school in Scottsdale, Arizona, and God bless all the friends that I have there. It was one of the most plastic places I've ever been in my life. I mean, just incredibly, and I don't mean pliable, I mean synthetic, um, which skewed my early development, you know? It, it shifted the way that I, that I think about myself and, and people in general, you know, and society as a whole. I mean, this was like formative years growing up in a, in a place that my mom struggled to create for us. You know what I'm saying? Like struggled for us to go to school and to live in Scottsdale, Arizona. And what I got out of it was disdain. You know what I'm saying? Like so tragic in a way, you know? Um, but I mean let's make some lemonade, you know, <laughs> it's, it's also like the wellspring from which I get a lot of my, my ideas of what is important and what isn't important, mm. you know? Um, so there are life lessons to be learned wherever you, wherever you grow up, you know, and however you grow up and they're all right. They're all tr- honest. You know what I'm saying? They're all, um, and they're all relevant. That it's very interesting because you talk about Phoenix, but I also know that you are from up north in North Dakota, and there's a whole different like um, idea of success, maybe, and of like what it means to be indigenous um, and be from up there, and then having that juxtaposed with like growing up in a big metropolis like Scottsdale. Can you talk about? how that navigation might have influenced where you are not now and being able to balance yourself in such a well way? Well, I think a lot of it has to do with actually growing up in two households, you know, um, spending all of my, uh, like the school year with my mother in, in Arizona. And then, uh, in the summer going back home to North Dakota and staying with my dad on a ranch, you know, I am a cowboy Indian, you know, which is uh, like, I don't know. Uh, for me, I'm like, oh, all, almost all the Indians I know are cowboys. You know what I'm saying? But, um, but society, uh, pop culture has created that as a duality, you know? And, and, and then I think of like out there, I'm living on a ranch, which is rural. And then I'm living in an urban environment, which is also another duality, you know? 
But all of these ideas of duality of, of this versus that, um, or this or that, I am like the or in that, you know, I am the verses. Uh, I am the place that those things meld where they are the same thing. And, and I feel as though that's the, sin- the sincerity of the whole thing is that there is no separation. You know, these paths do not deviate. These are a path, you know, and, and, um, and so much of like, I don't know, these, I, these concepts of, of, um, I don't know, being one thing or the other are blurred for me, you know, cause I grew up that way. And, and I'm sure it's like freaking concrete for many people, you know what I'm saying? But for me, it's, it's all so blurry, you know, especially because I would, I, I, I was never very good at, um, at blending in, you know, in either, in either place, <laughs> you know, like, uh, I didn't have two accents, you know what I'm saying? You know, one for North Dakota and one for Arizona. I didn't have, uh, it wasn't like I shifted, you know what I'm saying? I was freaking odd man out in, in, in both zones, you know? Um, but at the same time, like created kinship and, 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 uh, found, found my peers in both places. You know what I'm saying? Found a way. There's always a way. Along those lines, you are kind of coming into like living in a space of the Southwest and you are of the Plains region as far as your indigenous heritage goes. And I don't think that that's talked about that much of how how different, how truly different the cultures are of what's going on down here in New Mexico versus what's going on up there, you know. And can you talk about how it feels being down here and being a Plains, Plains native? It's interesting because I'm also a ceramic artist. And so I'm in the Southwest, which is a rich history of ceramics um that has been perpetuated by the industry by the market you know um my people did clay you know up north and i i honestly don't know any other you know nuetza mandan hidatsa rikura ceramic artists you know um but there's a rich history there of that uh, uh and and by artist i mean artisan you know i mean person who can make uh, my clan is actually Awakeh, which is dripping earth. And as I understand it, we actually built our earth lodges. That was our clan's function was to maintain the lodges. And the dripping earth is a reference to the way that our, um, when it would rain, that the sod and clay that we would pack around our earth, uh, earth homes would run and drip down the sides of the, of the building. And so I felt when I started working with clay that it was supernatural you know and and that's the term i'm going to use supernatural (laughs) (laughs) but um but now i'm in now i'm in the southwest and i am and this is where i found success as an artist is in the southwest and i'm from a completely different culture you know just i mean half of the stuff that i do is taboo down here to the to the native communities that are here um and vice versa for what they practice to us you know and I think this goes back to this idea of, of the term Native art, you know, and the term Native American and that all-encompassing um, umbrella that just is em- it's empty underneath, you know. It's a beach ball. It's shiny on the outside. It's something we can all catch and hold on to. But it's empty inside. And it's real thin on the outside, you know. Um, I mean, shoot, within the last probably 10 years is the first time that tribes actually communicated it, like, for I don't know how long, 
you know, centuries at least, East Coast tribes communicating with West Coast tribes and, and like bad blood between nations, you know what I'm saying? Like all of that being kind of like washed away through communication created by internet, you know, created by social media, created by, um, created by some bastard out there who we could all rally against. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's insane that, that what binds us really other than the term native American is suffering, you know, like that's terrible. That's terrible that I can relate to you because of suffering. I would much rather relate to you on, on, on another level, you know? And I do. I mean, there's plenty of people and, and from all over the place that I can relate to on, uh, you know, on, on many different levels. But this is individual to individual, not nation to nation. So I'm down here in the Southwest, and I'm a Plains Indian, you know? I'm, I'm, I'm one of those guys. I'm one of the ones that um, Hollywood made famous, you know, and bastardized and cartooned. You know, um, we, we were the carriers of war bonnets, you know what I'm saying? We lived in teepees, you know, as well. Um, um, Lakota on my, on my father's side, Mandan, Hidatsa, Rikara on my mother's side, and Norwegian and German and Austrian and everything else on the other side of the world here, you know, finds its way into me. And, and that's what my blood looks like, you know? And that's what my features look like, you know? So now I'm down here in the Southwest. And we even look different um, physically, you know? Phenotypically, let's say. And then the society that surrounds people in this place. Like, up north was genuine racism, you know? Um, racism that you could defend with tooth and claw, with fist and, and, and mean looks, you know what I'm saying? You were marginalized in that fashion. Down here in the Southwest, there's a romantic marginalization that is, um, it's, it's, it's a lot more uh, tame, but there's, n there's, no, there's no place to, to defend, you know, which is, which, is, which is interesting. Like, I mean, I don't even know what that means, you know, and I don't know what that comes, you know, how that all comes out in the wash you know what I'm saying like I have no idea but I recognize it you know I recognize it from the moment I came to New Mexico and I was like okay this is totally different you know especially because I, I mean phenotypically I could I could fit in just about anywhere you know um I got enough I got enough uh uh motley in me <laughs> to to blend you know really anywhere visually you know but in the industry of native art and being down here in the Southwest and being a ceramic artist, I don't get to pull from, um, from the rich kind of like ceramic visual language that exists down here. I draw from my, from my own experiences and from my own life. And, um, and, and I would, I would never, I would never use any of the design work that that the that the southwest has um embedded in its culture you know um i don't know what those lines mean you know i know what our lines mean i'm familiar with with that visual language and even that i don't like to use in in a commodity in, a, in an object for sale but i will i will make something up for you you know and make it real you know um, because I don't, I'm not sure if the collector is, um, is that embedded in the culture that they're consuming. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't, like oftentimes I think there's plenty of people, plenty of collectors, plenty of art buyers in general, not even collectors, but just art buyers who are focused on aesthetics. And that's what I like to focus on. I like to focus on aesthetics, but it, I'm down here in the Southwest and uh, I didn't have any, like, shirt tails to, to, to ride in on as a ceramic artist down here. And it was just hard work and exposure and, and maybe a little um, integrity. I don't know. And what about that whole idea of 
appropriation within indigenous cultures. It seems to be a layer that I see coming up more and more. And because you're from the plains and you're the most highly appropriated indigenous group, you know, as you said, how how does that make you feel seeing like people who don't come from the culture that uses teepees and headdress, etc., um, using that imagery as commodity and for sale? You know, it's really, it's it's an interesting question, and it's a question that I've been kind of asking myself lately as well. I don't, I don't, I, it's not right, you know what I'm saying? It's not right. But there's also, like, I also recognize there's a lot of people who will hop onto the, the bandwagon of decolonization, you know what I'm saying? And, and, um, and like, give us a give us a hero you know an indigenous hero a native american hero that we can all rally behind you know but i can't believe the gall of some people in all honesty you know what i'm saying just like wow really you're doing that like i've seen plenty of like southwest artists you know making war bonnets for sale making making these really powerful objects because they are iconic, you know what I'm saying? And because it is a commodity. But then I also see um, people who stand on, on, the, on the forefront of this idea of re-indigenizing and decolonization. And, and they um, also capitalize on appropriated imagery, you know what I'm saying? Because it's iconic. But you're still like you're still using the master's tools to dismantle the master's house. You know, it just doesn't work, um, and and it just kind of reinforces uh, it reinforces those ideas. I mean, like a lot of the times I see like um, like old chiefs from various nations. You know what I'm saying? Uh, run through a solarized, stencilized program filter on a computer and project it onto a wall and spray paint it on there, you know? And then you're, you're walking down the street and you see this, you know, and, and, and it's a, and you're in wherever, LA, Albuquerque, somewhere in the Southwest, and you see a war bonnet on a, on a proud native face, you know? And there's a, there's a part in your heart that says, fuck yeah, you know? But then you realize where you're at and you're like, wait, who did this? And like, is them being indigenous enough, you know? Um, because I mean, which goes right back to this whole idea of we're all indigenous. You know what I'm saying? Like, how can, how can you appropriate another culture's uh, imagery and put it up and not be any worse than Johnny Depp? You know what I'm saying? Than 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 any other outsider doing the exact same thing. It's it's interesting, but I think the most the most difficult aspect of it is that it's always somebody from a historical past. That's what bothers me the most, in all honesty. Like, if somebody took my face and put it up on a freaking wall and they weren't from North Dakota, awesome. You know what I'm saying? Or 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 any other like well-known like contemporary contemporary native artist contemporary native person activist you know what i'm saying like i like i i love the words of sitting bull you know what i'm saying like uh, he had wonderful things to say but i want to hear and see somebody now you know what i'm saying i want to see i want to see i want to I don't, I don't want to rally behind a hero 500 years dead. I want to rally behind a hero who I can shake hands with, who I can give a hug and say thank you. You know what I'm saying? I can do all of that in prayer, you know, and I don't need a poster or a t-shirt or a billboard to do that to an ancestor, you know? Um, and if you want to appropriate other Native people, appropriate contemporaries, you know what I'm saying? Like, freaking plaster whoever's face you know what I'm saying like I say me because I'm me you know but I could I could I could mention like 10 people who I'd love to see posters of you know what I'm saying up on the wall or t-shirts you know but I'm not going to subject them to to that but you guys know who you are you're freaking awesome and I want to see your faces on the walls
<laughs> and, and like rally behind that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's just this idea of like, uh, entire cultures frozen in the past breaks my heart because, because of what those people, the, the leaders who, who they're pre- presenting at to, to rally behind the struggles they had to go through for us to be here now. You know what I'm saying? Like, man, like out of respect for them, let's start putting our own faces up. Let's start, let's start creating our own heroes. You know what I'm saying? People. <laughs> it's twofold, you know what I'm saying? It's a lot, a lot of, a lot of bad things going on, a lot of nonsense and, and strife in the world. But, you know, I, I believe that, you know, you gotta, you gotta tear old things down before you can set new things up. So, you know, it, it all depends on your perspective, you know what I'm saying? If there's one thing that you could say to people out there listening to this podcast to inspire them, what would it be? I would say that everything you don't like about the world you live in right now, you are participating in to manifest. It's our responsibility to to make any sort of any sort of deviation any sort of change any any sort of ripple or shift in what we are not happy with we are we are victimless at this point we have agency we have responsibility to manifest everything that we're, we're we want i just i feel like it's our responsibility to do so Awesome. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Is it? Yeah. Do you want to do it again or what? I don't know. It sounds funny. When you say it out of your head? <laughs> mm-hmm. When I say it outside of my head, it sounds funny. And I would prefer that you put all of that in there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Even this and this? And this. And this. <laughs> Okay, well, unless there's any other little tyrants or anything you think that you really want to have shown in here. I don't know. I'm scared, and that's okay, you know. I'm I'm totally, like, every, I, I project this idea of confidence, you know what I'm saying? But the reality is, I'm scared. And I, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm worried by it, you know, and, and, uh. Worried by what? Everything, every, like, honestly, everything. And I, and I think about these things, you know, in my quiet times when I'm in the studio or even when I'm not, when I'm just like daydreaming or whatever, I, I worry and I'm not like stress-free, you know, and all of these things that I've just told everybody, (laughs) the, the honest and the sincere, sincere aspect of it is that I am uncomfortable. I am absolutely uncomfortable. And, um, but I, you know, that that's not enough to stop me. Gotta gotta push. Gotta just go forward. Always forward. <laughs> <laughs> Never stop. <laughs> Check. Searching for adventure. Welcome to the venture. Live center. Every message that he meant to envision this. Your parameters are limitless. Thirty thousand feet in the air. We're all there. Standard procedure. Land the manorita. Find Rira. Hit the telly for some leisure. Relaxing. Looking out over a soccer. Thinking of a line for a rhyme that'll rock ya. On stage shock ya. Jetting cause I got to hit Tokyo with another dark and lonely flow. Language barrier. Like a carrier. Aircraft, when I move my physical frame, you'll hear math Numbers crunch your bones well, struggle through your own hell Pray you weren't alone when you don't fell, oh well Go and grab a mop for the body shop And while you rot, the dead will get the fuck up and walk Strange things happen in the nighttime When you leave your crib to come and hear a hype ride And the show, so I've got you Black Nasferatu, rock that has to sleep with the beat Then I'll shop you Strange things happen in the nighttime when you leave your crypt to come and hear a hype ride And it shows so I've got you Black Nosferatu When you're under spell I'll do what the hell I want
lighting up, total eclipse, the universe flips, sunken ships sink toward the sea's surface, a thousand tales of those who failed, but kept composure, decomposure, bloated from exposure, the sun bust, you better duck son, the government sunned us, to work towards needs and gun lust, we could buy our souls back, but we sold that, it's a no go black, higher scully and kojak, detectives with corrective, lens perceptive, tight perspective, yet miss the objective, get live and let live, they could never catch live, hit me with the beat and the mic, let's get biz, lights dimming, that means your chances of escape slimming, hands up and heads bobbing to the rhythm, blood shower, now your body lose power, within an hour, I teleport to Kanazawa, to start my feeding again, I'm peeling your skin, then you scream, must release the feelings within, here's a flyer, missing my event will be a sin, again, showtime's at nine, welcome, let it begin, strange things happen in the night time, when you leave your crypt to come and hear some hype rhymes, and the show so I got you, black Nasiratu, rock that ass to sleep with the beat then I'll chop, strange things happen in the night time, when you leave your crypt to come and hear a hype rhyme, and the show so I got you, black Nasiratu, once you're under spell I'll do what the hell I want, strange things happen in the night time, when you leave your crypt to come and hear some hype rhymes, and the show so I got you, black Nasiratu, rock that ass to sleep with the Strange things happen in the nighttime. When you leave your crypt, you're coming here. A hype ride. And the show, so I got you. Black Mount Once you're under spell, I'll do